space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Ahoy, hoy. And we are talking about the latest episode of Lower Decks, as well as a TNG episode, which um, if you've seen Lower Decks this week, I'm sure you can guess which TNG episode it is. But before we do that, we've got the New York Comic Con reveals and some major, major trailers to talk about. Shall we... Should we talk about the most exciting first? Should we get the? Should we talk Picard because that was the, I think that that was like the show stealer, wasn't it? Sorry, when you said the most exciting, I assumed you mean the nothing sandwich, which was the Discovery trailer. But okay, we'll go Picard first. We'll then. talk about Picard first. So we we've seen little snippets of the TNG crew up until this point, but we got to see most of them actually doing something in this one and. It looks like the plot is Picard gets a distress signal from Dr. Crusher and that looks like that sets him off on this adventure. We saw presumably who the main villain is, which is Amanda Plummer, which is... That's kind of a nice link because obviously Christopher Plummer played... um, What do you call him? General Chang, so his daughter is now playing a, a villain. So it's nice Trek continuity. Yeah, but uh, I wonder if she actually is going to be the main villain. Because there's been lots of talk that Denise Cosby's coming back with me. Yes. And I wonder if, like, what they're showing in the trailer is a red herring of what... Because I don't want the story ruined by a trailer. No, I give don't. Me, give me a lot of teasers, but don't ruin it. And... That'd be a big surprise to have. Well, apparently, Denise Crosby uh, did say in an interview that it was going to be a, a different side to uh, Tasha, or words to that effect. She kind of name-checked Tasha and said mm. it would be a different side to her, indicating that it would be Tasha. But maybe that's her being do, doing red herring uh, herself. But well, one of the and this is just complete fan speculation that I saw, but it's more of a wouldn't it be cool if than actually based on anything. But they said, what if it's Tasha, but it's yesterday's Enterprise Tasha. And she wasn't actually killed. She survived, and she's pissed at Picard for him sending her back on the Enterprise C. Oh, for not rescuing her. Yeah. So. I mean, I I I saw that. I think it was in Star Trek Family, wasn't it? Something like yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, a fine theory as it goes, but it would be a very weird thing not to get Denise Crosby back, given that. Oh yeah, I don't I think Amanda Plummer will be. Yeah, but that could be the other side of Tasha that she'd have to be very old though, wouldn't she, if she's if she's still knocking about because she she travelled back in time. Someone did the maths in the comments that she'd just have to be aged up about twenty years. Right. And And to be fair that the way that the age in the future it doesn't really matter. No, you could get away with that, yeah. That'd be fine. I mean I I just the my only concern just going to sort of I guess the other thing of it is that 
I, I agree with Elliot. I don't want to see what the entire show is. However, I like when I finish a trailer to know the idea of the kind of like the general plot of the series. And I, I, I don't think we got that from this. No. So we had like Amanda Plummer's seems to be a bad guy. You've got uh, Law and Moriarty, which I know we'll talk about in a minute, but they them cropping up. It just smacks a little bit, and I'm, I hope this isn't the case of what they fell afoul of in the first series of just having all these elements just thrown at it and not having a coherent plot. Whereas mm-hmm. I think series two did a lot better job with that, uh, and I'm hoping series or season three <coughs> it destroys me a little bit. There's what, like you know, not, there's all these things we're excited to see, but where's the actual? It, it's that sort of I I think where you're coming and a bit similar to what you with this week is are they going to try and wrap up too many plot points for next gen? Exactly. And it, and it ends up with too many little threads going yeah, on. because it's like, I think Law needs to be a pretty central bank. Like, he's yeah. a pretty big bad guy in the canon. Well, uh, I, even Moriarty, I would argue the same. I think he had a couple of really strong episodes where he was a bad guy. I think he could carry or at least be in cahoots with I uh, think Law. he could have the Doctor's And you've got a new villain as well. It's just... Mm, it's a lot we're playing with. Yeah, I think Moriarty could have the Doctor's emitter. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, so Moriarty can... He's having to sort of bring him into the story. He finally he can. can. Because we him in a... It was just in, like, a holocube, one it that the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's so what I was going to say is... Um, it feels like they're tugging on threads that you don't necessarily need to. Like, Moriarty's story was wrapped up. He was away in his little holocube exploring the galaxy. And Law... I always wanted a better ending for Law, but Law was disassembled after Descent Part 2, so you don't Mm. need anything with law no. um yeah but he hasn't been well packaged though how he's aged no he's that's true <laughs> i wonder if this is going to go back to what we said back in season one that we thought the soon i forgot what his first name was the soon guy that brent spiner was playing in picard um, season one we speculated um, on whether he was going to be law and I wonder if yeah. maybe we will get that twist and it'll just be a little bit later on and it'll ah, be... Ah, it's me all along. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, and I would have uh, got away with it if it wasn't for them pesky kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love the idea, though. If if Moriarty uh, does kidnap Crusher, I love the idea because he's going like, uh, get me Pulaski, come on, she was great fun. Oh, what, she's not doing Trek anymore? Okay, get me Crusher. The, the, you know, whichever one, whichever doctor you've got in as long as it's a doctor, As long as it's a doctor from the Enterprise, I'm happy. Just get me one of Close them. <laughs> Speaking of Enterprises, then, we see the Enterprise E for definite no. in the trailer. We see the Enterprise F. I was going to say, I've heard it's the F we see. Well, there's an E in the, the trailer. It's the F. Is that the, is the but is it not both? Because I thought the E no, was the in the trailer. Oh yeah, no, but in the trailer. But the E's not in the trailer then. No, I, I thought so. the Enterprise E was in the trailer, unless it I'm is the Enterprise F, F and. It's definitely the Enterprise F at the end. It's an Odyssey class. When I first saw it, right. I thought we saw a Sovereign class one, but I think I we're now seeing the pictures of the F. From the right angle, it does look like it could look like the E from from yeah, one angle. Yeah, the um, 
It's the not guy who decided to start Trek Online has actually done it for the series. He's been in an interview about it. So it's definitely the F. Right, well, that's yeah, I'm cool. I'm happy with that. But they it's, did... it's confirmed by the guy who designed it. But they did say they might see more than one Enterprise, so maybe the Enterprise E will be in there. I've obviously got... I think got that's man... one of those that we all want to see. And I, I think they'll probably save that for us to see in the show. Yeah, probably, if it does turn up. Because like, you've got to have the E get destroyed to have an F. Yeah, but it can have been mothballed. Yeah, it could have been mothballed. Um, but yeah, I've obviously got my ships messed up, so I will give myself a slap on the wrist for that. Yeah, I, I think with the amount of time we're looking at, it, it probably had a number of adventures after the next generation crew left it, and you know whatever happened yeah. to it can have very easily happened off screen, or maybe that'll be the kind of teaser at the beginning of it. Will its destruction will be maybe? It. Yeah. So speaking about the crew. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, Sorry? Uh, no, carry on, sorry. I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Oh, I apologise. <laughs> uh, I was saying, speaking yeah. about the crew then, Worf is a pacifist, but yet he's got a bat left or whatever it is stuck to well, his back. So I imagine that, I imagine um, in Klingon society, being a pacifist means that you don't kill people. It doesn't mean that he's not still a great fighter and warrior. That yeah, fair boy. He's, uh, he's that skilled now that he can just take them down and immobilize them. You yeah. don't have to kill them. Yeah, it might mean that the... you look for a diplomatic solution rather than a fight. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't fight. Yeah. It, it's one of those things for me whereby it is... Again, like if they use it well, fine. I don't have an objection to him, him, him having become pacifist over time. But again, I don't want them to do what they did in the first series of Picard, which is, I think the character of Picard was just too removed from the original character. I think the look the... of the series was too removed from the next generation feel, which is, of course, what you want when you're revisiting these characters. And I don't want them to have done that with Worf. But this scene that we see here is Worf just winding Riker up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he did used to wind Worf up, he could be getting his own back a bit. That's yeah, true. So that. He's got used to humour, I, I, the humour and all that. Most of his time with Jud where she taught him humour. Mm. I would have maybe gone there, but they did show another clip as well where he's saying, oh, she's impulsive like I used to... I mean, it certainly suggests that that's what's going on. Still, I'm but, sure, yeah. though, it will all be building to Worf kicking some ass and we'll still yeah. get I'm that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to set Wolf up as a pacifist, you better bet your ass that he's going to be kicking ass by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's a classic setup. So, yeah. It's when they tried to deal with the A team when they had um, B.A. Baracus being a pacifist yeah. until the end of the film. Oh, that was a weird but, film. Um, oh, yeah. The other thing I was going to say was uh, interesting. Freaksy uh, retweeted the trailer mm. and said, he said something about the kind of like the end or the, the beginning uh, of the end of the, the final like season, and he said maybe uh, not final. The beginning of the end, maybe not the final. Maybe not final. Like he well, suggested maybe. He has been talked that Patrick Stewart said that he wouldn't mind doing another next gen movie. I bet he wouldn't. That. Yeah. And that's maybe what Freaks is on about that. Yeah. This might yeah. be the last season of Picard, but they'll be back in uh, TV movies with Paramount Plus. Or a big screen movie. I think no. Or a big screen. Well, either way, that will be back with movies. Yeah, I mean, now you've got two of them having said that, that adds to the kind of like... Uh, mm. Yeah. And especially now, now Kelvin vs. 4 has fallen through. Seems to have gone. And the next, 
having the next gen crew going, yeah, we'll do a movie. <laughs> and you know what? Like enough times passed and everything now to wash the taste of Nemesis out of your mouth. And hey, I actually like Nemesis. Yeah. It wasn't it's a good Nemesis. ending to the TNG story. No, it wasn't. It's all right no, in and of I'd itself. I'd have preferred a better ending to TNG. But, if, but we're getting that now. Yeah, if the TN, TNG crew can get their own undiscovered country treatment, then I'd be yeah. very happy. Yeah, yeah I agree. Because I, I feel like the, the problem with Nemesis was it, it wasn't a, an out-and-out out awful film, but it had some bad moments, and you could feel the fact that the director didn't really know Star Trek. Yeah. And that, no, that, no, that, that was what Sean threw, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Discovery trailer then, as Squee alluded to, you don't get much. We see there's a bit of action and they're trying to find the greatest treasure in the galaxy. Yeah, and Michael surfs on top of Discovery. Which looked cool, to be fair. It was another one of those things whereby it's like, it's just all kind of like action shots, a few catchy lines like, Oh, let's fly, but like let's really fly this time. You know, it just felt like it's it's all catchphrases, all sizzle, no sausage. And I it just uh, Yeah, I mean it's it's very a, early, so they've probably not got a lot of footage to work with. True. My but ideal like, vision for this is if it's solving a mystery. Do you remember that TNG episode The Chase where they had like clues in the DNA across different species and they yeah. They had to solve it and come together. So uh, my ideal vision for this is that over a season, that because they've got the spore drive, they can jump to different planets. So each week you get a clue, we jump to this planet, we have an adventure on the planet that can be more or less a standalone story, and that gives us the next piece of the clue, and we go on. So there's a thread running through it, we solve a grand mystery, nothing that's threatening the galaxy, something like in The Chase where it's the mystery of the preservers or whatever the species were called. And we just get to have a load of fun jumping around, doing all these things. That would be what I want to see. So so what you're saying is the equivalent of Doctor Who, the key to time series with uh, Tom Baker? Yes, yes. Yeah. But I'm, more, I'm totally in for that. More I consistent just, I, than that hopefully it just concerns me for the third series in a row we've got another oh the universe is going to end if you don't solve this and it's just yeah well we don't know that's what it is we know they're looking for treasure we don't know it's going to destroy the universe if they don't find it i bet it will yeah i'm I'm just getting those worrying vibes again i just want sometimes just the scales to be this planet's in danger yeah it doesn't need to be a massive massive thing every season as long as it's an engaging story which is what i want to see um and then prodigy second half of season one slash it's season two really but we're pretending it's all one season for some reason it's season two <laughs> uh, it's yeah. been nearly oh, a year just, honestly, it looks it's like more 10 episodes to each part of it all the other shows now have 10 episodes per season can we just call it season two? <laughs> it would make sense. Oh, yeah, I, I just—you know what? If you're not going to call it season two, 
then your box set, your DVD Blu-ray box set, needs to have all 20 episodes and needs to be priced the same as if it were one season. I bet they'll yeah. call it season two pretty sharpish then if they think they can sell it twice. Yeah. For some reason, you've never sound more northern, Jim. <laughs> Damn right. No, I still... Re- they pulled that trick with Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, <laughs> season six, the first seven episodes... Breaking Bad, the final season, the last seven episodes. Go away. They did it with Battlestar Galactica as well. Season four, the final season. No, it's all season four. You've just split it in half, you liars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, delicious. Um, Yeah, I I just, in the the most lovely way, I think it just feels like more of the same, which I love the first part of the series, the first series. Uh, and it just feels like the continuation. Yeah, you've got Janeway. We now know that holographic Janeway knows about real Janeway chasing them. Yeah. You know that they try and return back to Starfleet, but realise they can't. Uh, so they sort they of realise that they can't be Starfleet. We've got, like, it looks like Gwen really gets her memories back. Oh, see. yeah. And it looks like we see them actually mingling with some Starfleet crew at one point. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I get, I get the feeling of... that maybe Starfleet weren't too happy with them being on the ship, and I'm getting the feeling maybe they got on the run from Starfleet. Well, wasn't the didn't the bad guy do something so they couldn't? T- it was going to destroy the Federation yeah, it, if they it took it. Sort of made it, that, it. Yeah, yeah. He's put a virus on the ship. That's that it. Get that it'll transmit through to the Federation. And it'll wipe them out somehow. So that's why they can do it. So, yeah, so they're going to get... Starfleet are going to say, you know what? Keep the ship. Go have fun. It is kind of actually smart. Continue the mission without being ridiculous and you don't have to string it out for loads of series. Or, you know, for like a weak excuse why it's like, oh, we just can't quite find Starfleet yet. You know, they they find Starfleet straight away. They can't go back, which is, is yeah. a, um, I think, a really which nice way to do. Because otherwise, the first thing Starfleet would do would be take the bloody ship back. Mm. And then we've got the return of Jellico, which um, to say was a bit of an ass. Very popular character in Star Trek fandom is Jellico. Popular with unions, he wants a four shift rotation. You're right. Not a three. Oh, does that mean so then... So Sour Shifts instead of eight, eight and with Jellicoe. So is it. Jellicoe part of the anti-growth coalition then? It certainly is, so good on him. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't vote Tory, in fact, if you don't, if you're not part of the EFG of the Tory party, I think you... Yeah, you pretty much. I mean, they covered everyone. They covered us, podcasters, so we're there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's talk about this week's episode of Lower Decks then. A mathematically perfect redemption. And bit of a, a tonal shift, really. Lower Decks has been it's... going three seasons, decides to do a one off character piece on a, a side character. I didn't see it coming, yeah, but um... I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was okay as an episode. But I think if I, I now have a least favourite episode. Really? But that doesn't mean it's a bad episode. No. If you know what I mean. I can, I can now weigh on the scale of the Lower Decks, because I love Lower Decks, that this now is my least favourite of the Lower Decks. 
Right. And because it just broke from everything else of it. Was that it then? Was yeah. it because it didn't give you what yeah, you go to lower decks for? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get yeah, as crew. I like Boimler, I like Mariner, I like Tandy, I like <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like when they do them Doctor Who episodes where the Doctor's not in it. And yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, it works. Blink, Blink is obviously a, you know, a universally <laughs> beloved episode and that's a very good example of it, Another. but then... Another Monsters is the other end of the scale. There you go, yeah. so that's the other end of the scale. Oh. and um, it, It's one of them things when you're doing a character episode, this was a character that I went back and watched the end of season one as well this week because of this episode. And Peanut Hamper is only a minor character yeah, in that yes, episode. So we're getting a wrap-up episode of someone who was only in for about only in it for a couple of minutes of the previous episode. Yeah, true. I mean, I think they obviously thought, oh, we can have a bit more fun with Peanut Hamper, so well, let's... Well, I've been thinking about this, and I've got a feeling this is... In a way, it's been done, because I think this is leading up to the end of season three and what season four's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think there's going to be something with all these uh, robot... The all evil these machines. ...that they're putting together... It could oh, yeah, well be, yeah. It's a beautiful break to have that at the end. But, I mean, to be honest, I, I, it's almost like it's it's outside of ranking for me. It's a different episode. It's mm-hmm. just they, they had a bit of fun with a character, which, yeah, like you say, wasn't really featured that much before. I just love the idea that it's like uh, showing redemption all the way through and then just completely double-crosses at the end. That was, yeah. I, I thought a lot of yeah. fun. But, yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like a weird episode. move when you've only got 10 episodes these days to then yes. go off. I was just going to say month. that. Yeah, it's it, like... It a lot of real estate to pay to, to a side character. Yeah, like, I was just going to say, like, I, I do like when TV <laughs> shows break from format and try and do something different and... There's a lot of examples of that, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was famously did like the episode where nobody could talk, and then they did a musical episode, and they did a, a, an all dreams episode, and you know, and these were those episodes were very sort of critically lauded, and they broke away from it, and the X Files used to do it quite often, like they did the episode where it was an episode of Cops, but it had Mulder and Scully in it, and. Um, but the thing they is, did those, those two stories sorry, where they replaced the lead characters. Yes, that was questionable. But uh, actually, season eight, season eight holds up really well on a rewatch. Does but you eight have that numbers episode? And also no, no, that, where, that's season uh, nine. We don't talk about season okay. nine. Um, Doggett gets shot, but Reyes just intuits out of nowhere that she's in an alternate reality. Is that nine as well? That's season nine as well. Yeah. Okay, I'll let you off then. So, yeah, but season eight actually holds up really well. It's got an arc within itself and it does tie off a lot of loose ends. And then they said, oh, we want a season nine, but Duchovny's not doing it anymore. So they just start season nine by going, oh, yeah, Mulder's pissed off. Like, what? <laughs> like, wasn't he abducted by aliens last season? Yeah, yeah, but he came back. And then, then he pissed off. And you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, that's the X-Files. But the, the the point I was going to make with shows like that, like the X-Files, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, these were shows that were doing 22, 26, whatever episodes a year, and they didn't start doing these experimental episodes until 
season like four in the case of Buffy, um, five probably in the X Files that they started doing these. Doctor Who blink the eight hundred episodes before you get to blink. So. <laughs> Um, I think, like you say, Squeak, the thing with modern telly is we do these 10-episode seasons. So, realistically, we're only up to episode 27 of Lower Decks. That's barely one season in in old money. And I think sometimes you you need to have had a bit more time to establish what your show is before you can do these subversions. And... That's not to say I didn't like this, and I think Lower Decks has done a really good job of showing us what it is, to the point that Elliot notices when we break away from it and is like, nope, not not as keen on that. So yeah. I'm not saying it is too early to do it, but I think maybe the reason those older shows, when they did it, were more notable is because they had quite often 50, 100 episodes behind them before they started doing yeah. things like that. It's very true, and also I think the the other thing is you've got to remember these are like twenty two minute episodes, mm. whatever they are twenty five. Yeah, you know they're very short time. We, like the, the real estate is even more precious for that. Yes, I think you're right that they've completely established the characters very quickly. Like in a, a few episodes in, I felt like I knew this crew, and it was in a really lovely way. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean I, I quite liked it, but at the same time I'm like I've only got a few more episodes with these guys, and then we're not going to see them for a year. It's like. Yeah. It's like my point is that this is my least favourite episode of Lower Decks, but I'm not saying it's a bad episode. I no, still like no, no. what I watched, but it wasn't what I wanted to watch. It's sort of Yeah, it's sort of that feeling like um the uh Stephen Moffat and Matt Gatiss um Sherlock show that they did. And because Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman became mega movie stars during the production of it, every season it was like, right, we need to find a bit of time where we can actually get them together and actually film something. And then they announced a Christmas special and said, oh, we're going to do this one, we're going to do it as if it's back in ye olde Sherlock times. And, And I remember at the time going... I can't believe you've done that. That's such a waste. No, you you can't do yeah. that. You've managed to get them all together, oh, and I did. Yeah, and also, and also, no spoilers for it, but it does tie in more than we thought yeah. it would at the time. But I remember at the time being like, I can't believe you're wasting this window that you've got. Yeah. And there's a little bit of that here. Like we've only got three episodes left, and we're doing a peanut hamper episode. I think yeah, I would have I, liked it better if they maybe done this as a bonus episode. So if it's like yeah. episode 11 or an episode in between series. So you, you've just got to record little cameos with the main crew so they mm-hmm. can record yeah. it while they're in the booth for the other episodes. And then you could have done this. <laughs> yeah, you know, it would have been a fun like, bonus then. They could have dropped it somewhat like he's like Star Trek Day was during this, wasn't they? Yeah. Before this season. But you could have done it as sort of like a comic, one of the comic cons. Yeah, or Christmas or something. Not have it as a 22 minutes, have it as a 15 minute special. Yeah. And then you get the DVD sales of of making of lower decks with the DV with the mm-hmm. special episode. Yeah, oh, could... I, I would still want it to be the, the length it was because I think it was still an entertaining 25 minutes, whatever it is. But it just, it's just, yeah, like like we've all said, you get it instead of an episode with your crew. Yeah. 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 Which is like, and I've been like as I say, I've been thinking about this, and I wonder 
if this is a prelude to a lot of stuff that's going to come, if we're going to see something with these... It's all going to be like, the robots. All these, these robots com- or supercomputers, evil computers are going to have get out and have an uprising of some form. If, if I might say, even after seeing that at the end of the episode, if they don't do that, I'll be disappointed. Yeah. You need some sort of team up, at least between those two. And like, well, like, when I'm saying this, I, I, it's my least favourite. Wouldn't it be great if the payoff from this episode is we get Jeffrey Coombs all the way through season four as the... Oh, yeah, that would be good. <laughs> and if it is an uprising of the evil artificial intelligence... Mariner's got to defeat it by remembering that Kirk just used to talk them to death and that's how they've yeah. got to defeat the machines. I mean, they've already done that joke where they brought Landrew back in that episode. Yeah. But um, You see, I'm picturing them doing it maybe so they have um, Rutherford's memory ooh, coming back. Oh, that could tie in, yeah. And I like the idea of, like, for me... My ultimate would be like if they did two or three episodes in the next series. So not not through every episode because I do love the fact that Low Decks is standalone and you get so many references from so many different stories that way. But yeah, having an arc peppered throughout the series with Jeffrey Coons would be wonderful. And Jeffrey Coons being back is just all good. Yeah, we we all want to see more of Jeffrey Coons. It's like this this episode didn't have your normal callbacks. You're getting your Easter eggs that you get in Low Decks. This episode just referenced itself from season one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we were... Which is all... Well, we weren't... We weren't struggling, but it was quality of life or nothing, really, wasn't it, this week? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be. Just, yeah. It was an exocomp episode. I don't think the exocomps are going to feature much more it's one of those ones if you don't get it now you don't know probably peanut hamper's going to come back but it's like yeah. it was just such a logical one maybe I, I this did... is all a plan like you know how you could buy little bb8s and stuff like that and <laughs> maybe exocomps are going to be the christmas gift to have this year you see this is my only problem or this is the thing which made me think this is what Discovery should have done. As opposed to their little cutesy robots, they should have had exocomps, like future exocomps. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. they are. Uh... No, because they were in the past, weren't they? So, yeah, they, they were like proto-exocomps then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, they were in the past before they went to the future, weren't they? They Sorry, were yeah, in the past, them. then the future, yeah. Um. Anyway, I mean, it's weird, this one, because the... It, it's hard to pull things out because a lot of the time when we're doing that with Lower Decks, we're pulling out references and we're pulling out character beats and things like that. But Doctor Squee more or less summarised it there with, yeah, it looks like Peanut Hamper's redeemed herself, but then she hasn't. Like, she ends up on the planet of the birds or the owls. I like that all the animals can fly. Like, you've got flying pigs and flying goats and stuff well, like that. that when he goes, oh, it's a sky snake. Yeah, everything flies on this planet. Why not just call it a snake? <laughs> and that is a very good point. I also love the uh, uh, the bird exocomp love making scene. Was quite yeah, <laughs> and the fact that he, just, um, he, he sort of screamed every time. Like, oh, we'll just figure it out. Be fine. And it was quite cute that when they got married, she'd replicated like a beak. Mm. Yeah. That's the thing, she can replicate any tool, so the lovemaking is just going to be perfect. I just presume, like, yeah. They, well, he, he certainly sounded uh-huh. like he enjoyed it with his, his birdie screaming, so... 
<laughs> you know, whatever works for you, we're all accepting, and if that's what they want to do, like, and to be no fair, the episode played like the whole, like you say, it's the whole episode right until the end plays like a redemption arc. It does, and the episode's called a mathematically perfect redemption. So they're throwing everything at us to. <laughs> oh, also the thing which we didn't um, mention near the beginning of the episode. I love it when she's just flying through the jump, going like, "Ah, oh, well." Some will uh, save me soon. I mean, unless they don't scra- they only scan for humanoid life forms, but that will never happen. She's just flowing for ages. And then she just makes a little starship. That was Yeah, she makes cool. a little star and she's got her own version of like Wilson from Castaway. She's got this little yeah. <laughs> thing Sophia. that she Sophia that she's talking to, yeah. But she does give oh, her up great. pretty quickly. Tom Hanks yeah, wouldn't we have done that. This. You see, there's the one we could have done. We could have paired this up with Castaway with uh, Tom Hanks. We could have done, yeah, if we were covering outside films, definitely. <laughs> or that episode of the original Battlestar Galactica where Starbuck lives on a planet on his own and makes friends with a Cylon. Actually, it was an yeah. episode of Galactica 1980. The I only... was say, that's... An episode of Galactica 1980. The only episode of Galactica one. 1980 worth watching. Yeah. That, was that the one where they got back to Earth? Or yeah, Galactica Earth? 1980 was, yes. Yeah. And it was. And strangely enough, the premiere for that was also released in British cinemas as Battlestar Galactica 3. Yeah, they panned absolutely anything off on us in British cinemas, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> um, right, so other things. Um, there is a bit where she's like replicating the ball and throwing it and it sort of calls to mind the great escape with Steve McQueen when he's in the the cooler. Like I quite enjoyed that and I enjoyed all the stuff where she's like, No, you just need a vitamin tablet and then all of a sudden she's like a god to them because she can make yeah. the vitamin tablets. So I thought it was all really well done. Um but but yeah, it, it does lead to a betrayal and um, I want to give a shout out to Joe who you you had on Squeefest, uh, Squee, Joe was one of the guys who came on, we talked about Mad Max and he's messaged me about this episode and he felt it was a real sort of slap in the face to the viewer that there weren't any seeds planted that this might not be an actual redemption story since everything's done to make you think she has well, redeemed herself and then just i think that you've already mentioned where the seed steve mcqueen the great escape sort of how am i gonna get out of this planet yeah. how am i getting out of here true and also, everything we know about a character prior to this suggests that this is exactly yeah. what she would do. And, of course, it does all turn out. It's all a ploy to make her look good so that Starfleet will take her back at the end, which is very, very cynical, but it almost and works. It's, it's so wonderfully done as well, because when they do uh, show the uh, Cerritos and you've got the kind of uh, guys on the bridge, they're just so happy. It's like, oh, peanut hamper. They're so excited that she's turned herself around, which just adds to the fun of the betrayal. Because not only do you get the uh, bird people on the planet, but also the crew's re-betrayed again by her. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's yeah. Like even uh, captain, uh, the captain saying, it's like, uh, oh, geez, yeah, um, I don't think you'll have any problem getting back into Starfleet. And then the kid gets... Uh, <laughs> 
gets uh, given up just after that. Yeah, and then there's the bit where um, they're saying, oh, back in Starfleet, and the husband guy's like, well, I can come with you. And she's like, no, no, you don't want to leave the planet. <laughs> Which is a bit harsh on the, the, the warrior owl husband guy. Um, yeah, which, which he even had a little mini arc of his own because he was so against her when she arrived. Yeah, around. and then betrayed. So maybe, maybe they'll become even more sort of anti-artificial intelligence again in the future well, because they were anti-technology work. That they mm. In fact, the, with the ships that you see, it looks like they were more advanced than the Federation. It does, yeah. Certainly more destructive in terms of what yeah. they're doing. So the, the Cerritos, they pretty much think that they're going to get killed here, don't they, until yeah. until they get rescued by someone in one of the old ships. Uh, I even love the scavengers and they're going, it's like, but we were invited, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, 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 I didn't invite you well. We recorded it and they played back in Peanut Ampers going, that sounds nothing like me. Yeah. Yeah, she's a right. Take whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and then, yes, she gets locked up in the Raiders of the Lost Ark style repository for evil artificial intelligence, and we get the little cameo from Jeffrey Coombs. And, yeah, I think we do seem to be building to something there, so... Yeah, I think the only way this... The way this episode redeems itself is if it's a build-up to something a lot bigger. Mm. Hey, maybe it's a crossover with season three of Picard. You know, Moriarty and Law end up Ooh. getting involved as well. And I mean, yeah, I there's also be a crossover with uh, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, that's it. Maybe Lower Decks will become the show that unites them all, like the one with the most crossovers. <laughs> They've done DS9 already. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, anything else on on that one then? Before we move on or move back to TNG, and yeah, the the quality of life then, and this is the episode where that meme of Jordy comes from. Which I could never put my finger on which episode it was. But you have that meme of Jordy, don't you, where he's got the beard and he's sort of looking. It's always three pictures. And yeah. it's it's like, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, a bit better. And then it's like, hey. <laughs> okay. And this is the episode from which that is. Now, uh, the one, just, just my kind of opening impressions of this episode, the one thing I love about it is there is. Like the visuals, there is no huge visual set piece of action. It's all about computers going inside tunnels, basically, mm -hmm. and then coming out again at various different times and basically generating a different tool. And they make this look so kind of like they, they build up the tension so well in, yeah. in other ways by kind of smart dialogue, like good musical effects. But then I just imagine one of the scenes without music, it's like, and then go, just looking really tense. It's just, it's it, it's such a magic trick that this episode does of keeping it as tense as it is. Well, that's why music's great. Like, so yeah. a, a famous story is when they first screened Jaws without John Williams's music. 
and everybody thought it was absolutely rubbish and then they put the music to it and <laughs> there you go. I mean, Jaws is a great example, but usually the music's there to support the action already happening. Yeah. It's creating it, which probably, again, with Jaws is the case as well. You've just got a thing going through the water, like some bits. Yeah. But then you add, and you know that fin's going to fuck you up. It's great. Yeah. Mm. Uh, right. So the dialogue in this opening scene then... I just found this really weird because they're talking about beards and they, they say things like, oh, I like you in a beard. Many men have worn beards. Like, what are we talking about? You say he's got a beard, you don't say he's in a beard or yeah. he, he wears a beard. Like, I'm wearing a beard this month or this season. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, in England we do have the phrase wearing a beard, but that, that describes something quite different you know and but but yeah i just thought that was really odd just really odd dialogue and then I mean, for me it was how disappointed crusher looked just because they weren't going to shave she yeah was like, she looked really grumpy about that it's like okay i mean you just saw geordie a week before without the beard yeah and yeah. then it she goes the oh the first two series they get really sort of angry with her for going Oh, uh, I think your beards are an affectation. Your my beard is not an affectation. Like it is. What? What else is it? You know, it. Of course, the beard's an affectation. We're not born with beards. We don't. We we choose to grow a beard. So it's not a bad well, thing. Yeah, there is an affectation. That's true. But but you're right. We choose yeah, not to shave. So. A beard is an affectation, but I don't think it's a... They act like that's offensive, calling it an affectation. Yeah. It's like, no, of course it is. It, everything about your physical exp appearance, well, how you present yourself. No, I'm going to say, as as Klingon warriors, as we three are, these, these beards are all about the strength for us. Well, of course, yeah, you're, you're right. It's not an, an affectation at all. My, mine, I do not wear a beard to compensate for the fact that I don't have any hair on my head. And I'll have you know, I, Dr. Squee, do not believe in affectations. Good. I'm glad to yeah. hear it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that was my issues with the beard stuff. I don't see why they've what, got such a problem with it, but there what, you go. What got me, though, when they're placing the bet, um, it's like, what are you going to do then, Beverly, if we if we have to shave our beard? They should have just gone right. Fine, we shave our beard, you shave your beard. <laughs> or she could have had to grow a beard. Oh, that would be good. And I bet she could. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we're having a few unnecessary digs at Gates McFadden here, but never mind. Yeah. I, I've got to say, I, I had a, a much more devious thing to, to bet her to do after uh, winning a game poker, mm. but that's just me. <laughs> yes, keep that to yourself. We're on before the watershed. But and plus, just, um, just not cool anyway. <laughs> we, we, we've already talked about exocomp bird sex. Uh... <laughs> oh, you just the classic joke. Okay, we're going to play strip poker now, and you cut away to the three guys just sitting in their pants. They could have done oh, that, yeah. Jordy's just got his visor on, and that, that's all he's got left. <laughs> he's got it on, but not on his eyes. <laughs> and I was like going to say Worf, uh, Worf and his sash, but Worf doesn't have his sash on in this scene. 
Does he not? No, so maybe maybe this is a game of strip poker and Worf's already lost a hand and that's why that's why he's not got the sash. I don't know. Um, So the main story then, so it's not all about beards this episode, even though it might appear to be. Um, There's a bit of a disaster and an exocomp saves the day and that's where we're introduced the first time to the exocomps. And... The scientist, as you would expect, is really into data. Like, she's, ooh, Mr. Data. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Someone who's really into artificial intelligence. Yeah. <clears throat> what was interesting, though, is that it becomes a data episode, but it's not telegraphed as a data episode right from the start. Like, usually when it's whoever's episode it is, the very first scene is them, whereas this one, Data only sort of assumes the mantle of the main character once the exocomps come into it. Which I just thought was interesting in terms of how they structure it. It's a, a little bit different to what they usually do. Yeah, yeah. I, I really loved it for that. But um, one thing which you mentioned was with the, the first bit where she kind of absolutely falls in love with Data and mm-hmm. finds him fascinating and stuff. Is it Geordie they're with in that scene? I think so, yeah. I just remember when I was watching it, he looked really pissed off when she just asked a pretty kind of logical question. She, he was just, he wasn't waffling or anything, but it was like they assumed that they, we would get, they were meant to be waffling because she was, he was just answering question quite straight up. And Geordie got pissed off really quick. It mm. felt like it needed to be a longer scene if you were going to have data being annoying. <laughs> and they ran out of time, so they just go, right. Um, uh, you, Lavar, you just react very big to this. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just didn't seem annoying enough for his reaction, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and it's like, you should be used to data by now. We're in season six. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the whole thing is data starts to suspect there's a bit more to the exocomps, and it's it's when it refuses to... Oh, it, yeah, it refuses to go into the tunnel, doesn't it? It comes back out of the tunnel and refuses to go and do the job. And the scientist's initial reaction is, oh, well, it's broken. We've had loads do this. You just have to wipe them once they get this far corrupted. <laughs> yeah, and how many have, have corrupted that she's like, ah, wipe them, not worth trying anything out? Like, I mean, yeah, she's just invented these. Surely you want to, to fix this problem as opposed to using them straight away. No, no, you just just wipe them back to back to factory settings. Yeah, they keep doing this. They create a few more memory paths themselves, and then then they stop. So I just wipe them. Yeah, I'd also think pretty much a good design flaw. Is there an action when they do that? Like, she's meant to be selling stuff, and she's going, oh, yeah, they just fuck up every now and again. Oh, well, I just wipe them, put them back yeah, out Yeah, just wipe them again. And when you wipe them, they can't remember all the good shit they've learned how to make, so you're back to square one. Yeah. Um, but oh, no, you're really selling them to me. Picard just gold rubber stamps it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's have ten of them. They sound brilliant. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a pretty pretty bold move when you're trying to sell something to them. Also, I do like the fact they... Um, they telegraph Measure of Man in this episode. Uh, Data talks about having been mm. on trial for his humanity himself. I thought that was lovely kind of linking tissue and also it did feel like kind of Measure of Man part two. Data's got to a point where he's the one who's looking out for other life forms. Cause yeah. He's I like that arc of that. I like the, yeah, I like the intent behind that. But I, to me, that just 
calls to mind, oh, well, this this is kind of diet measure of a man, this episode. It's not... It, it It's a similar sort of story and it doesn't hit the highs of that one. Uh, I did enjoy this a lot more like, this time. Like, we have it all leads up, don't we, Pat? We have Dairy's doing his experiments to try prove one of them's... Set, become sentient why it won't mm. do something and it keeps fit, keeps not doing it and then he realises that it's not doing the thing because he realises that it's a test yeah exactly it's yeah. smarter than what they thought Ooh, yeah. just before that though Data goes to talk to Crusher and I find this exchange really baffling the Data goes okay Dr Crusher how do you define life and she rattles off a discussion and then Data just acts really ungrateful for it. He's like, well, this is how you define life. And he's like, yeah, well, what about fire then, dickhead? And it's like, all right, Data, you know, come on. She's trying to give you a good explanation. And you're just like, ah, I think you'll find fire fits all that. So you're wrong, Doctor. And then he's just off and he, yeah, I, fe- I felt that was a little bit weird. But, but you're right, that leads to the test and it fails, but doesn't now so the setup here is data's proposing i think these things are alive picard says right okay first job is we've got to test it and so surely you've got to work on the assumption that they are alive and respect their rights and everything but they go right well the way to test it is to um scare them to death and make them think they're gonna die like, yeah, can, I thought can we not do like some of the tests? Like, again, it feels like another kind of unconstrained thing. Which is sort of justifying <laughs> the episode because there is a reason why they needed them in a rush. So it's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's not ethical, but you can kind of justify it for that. But it's, it's kind of like that test thing. only works if the outcome is no, they're not alive. Because then you're like, oh, it's okay, we've just tortured. Uh, a machine, that's fine. Oh, they are alive. Right, okay, well, we're getting caught martial then for the fact that we just tortured these creatures to... <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of the Odo episode where they uh, have Dr. Mora coming back to the station and they're mm. kind of shocking the changeling, the new changeling yeah. they to get it to move shape. And it's like, it. at least that one kind of a bit more deftly explores uh, yeah. testing on sentient and... things. And it kind of does explore, like, well... If you don't do this, it will never shapeshift and yeah. it kind of held its form. I know it does object you know, to it. Like ones very nicely. This is just like, yeah, we're just going to torture it and we're not going to mention it at all. Yeah. Um, so, the, it ends up then, there's another disaster and the only way is to save the exocomps. But Let, Let's look at the options they had first, though. Because there's another disaster starts. And Picard and George end up stuck on the station. And they've only got 26 minutes to save them. So the first suggestion is, well, and they can't beam them out, so, well, can't we send a shuttlecraft? No, it'll take too long to get there. Well, shuttlecraft go, just go at full impulse power at least, which is just short the speed of light. And they have warp engines, so... <laughs> How far away is this space <laughs> where the orbit is? Well, it's within transporter range, so, yeah, it can't be, can't be that far. Like, what is up with all the shuttlecraft that they can't get there in 26 minutes? What is the chief engineer playing at? 
leave him on the fucking station because he obviously can't do his job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the other scene I want to give a shout out to as well is and, the one before where Data does do further testing. No, he keeps I going throughout the night the kind of testing option. it. And that to me speaks to the sort of procedural nature of this. It does. The, the reason why I kind of, again, it's not one they like, big favorite episodes but it's like it's a nice procedural one it's almost like a yeah it is a detective piece in a way like with data trying to piece the, the bits together it's it's nice for that yes now Elliot, tell us why you don't agree option. with the second option the second option is fire a torpedo <laughs> at what's causing the energy beam to destroy it Oh, we'll have to hit it precisely. It'll take us 55 minutes to reprogram a torpedo. In Star Trek Six, we saw Spock and Bones do it, sat on top of it as it's going along a torpedo tube. You're right. Uh, yeah, but those were 23rd century uh, missiles. They're, very, they're much kind of simpler. Yeah, they had a little key and everything in them ones, yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're basically clockwork. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, you're dealing with your 24th century. That's a totally different bag of worms. <laughs> yeah, like, it'd be all right in a battle, wouldn't it? Like, we, we need to hit their bridge dead on, Mr. Warfwell, in 55 minutes. I'll be able to do I that, or they've killed us. I to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's a very good point. And then... That's the thing. You see, these twenty-third century missiles—they get atropic. You know, people take the piss out of them, but they were—they were efficient. You could open them up, do a bit of surgery on them, and have them out of the two. <laughs> that that like was that. it. And you know what it was? Don't do it, that anymore, can you? It was EU regulations that got rid of the twenty-third century torpedoes. That was what ruined it. No, they... it was scrapping the EU, EU regulations that did it. Oh, oh. yeah. I was, I was going to say scrapping the EU regulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caused the problem. So there you go, that's yeah. it. Oh, no, we'll just seal them tra- shut. Nothing wrong will happen because of that. See, that's what happens <laughs> when you get rid of these uh, regulations. That's it. And, yeah, so Data stops them beaming them down, and you end up with this thing with him and Riker having a bit of an argument and everything. It's like, oh, okay, so what, what we can do is disable the command pathways and blah de blah blah and then it... Data will let them, and Riker's all het up, and every and it ends up right. Let's ask them if they're willing to do it. And so, well, haven't I thought we'd established that they weren't alive, so you don't have to ask them to do it. Ah, but, but they're convinced now that they are alive. They're right? convinced they are alive, right? Yeah, I, I, I also did love that that. Um... You know, Riker got to play the the, the role Picard usually gets. Is a bit pissed off that the officer won't do what they're told because they're sticking up for mm-hmm. some sort of uh, right, and uh, and then having to deal with that. Like, and yeah, I think no, it was Riker's, good from Riker. Riker dealt with it very well. It was nice to see him doing a bit of the diplomacy side, which usually falls on Picard. Yeah, and ultimately, one of the exocomps does sacrifice itself. So this is clearly not related to peanut hamper in any way because peanut hamper would not have done that in this situation so and in fact if you hadn't got those fucking lousy 24th century torpedoes you would had the exocomp put into a missile fired out in space as they played amazing grace but no yes there you go exactly Um, i'd love to see geordie in the bagpipes yeah I like that the exocomps come up with a better plan. Like when they're like, right, this is what we're going to do. 
and then it's like, oh no, they're, they're thinking of something else. I, I like that wrinkle to the story yeah. that by giving them the choice and giving them the freedom, they actually come up with something much better. Well, is it much better? Because it's not really, because they'd... Uh... Yeah, no, because there have to be all three of them into the beam. Right, Rage I thought they were just going to do one. Destroyed. No, it was all three of them into And they're all going to be destroyed. Mm. Instead, the the beam into the station to to deal with things, and one of them has to stay behind while the other two beam off at the last minute. So, do you reckon when the like little antennas are moving and they're talking to each other, in do you reckon we're meant to think, oh, they've come up with this better idea? Do you reckon they're going right, lads? They're going to kill all three of us. So, can we come up with a way? where we don't all have to die. So yeah. it's actually a self-preservation thing again, not yeah. a noble sacrifice. Yeah. It's well, yeah. even the two of them say to the third one, it's like, no, no, if you go over, uh, we've got this plan to get you back. There's no time to explain. You just go over yeah. there. It looks like it's a suicide mission, but we've got your back. They're peanut hampers all the way. Yeah, that, one, that third one's a bit thick. Yeah. They're like, right, yeah. come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, boss. It was one of them died instead of... the. The Riker was off to beam all three of them into the energy beam, mm. and all three of them had been destroyed. So basically, this two way, the third one. Yeah. Two of them are the quark so the and front of the operation, and the third one's Rom, and they've stitched him right. Yeah, up. that's it. They've stitched up yeah. that third one. Like, what? What have we been talking about? Like, oh well, you know, they asked us um, if we all wanted to die, but yeah, don't worry, we'll beam you out afterwards. Honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just the only thing I thought from this one is that even though this is a so-so episode, it, it, it's got its charms. But I felt like the exo comps were a really strong idea. Like you yeah, could have back a few more times and then had a lot of fun with them. Especially once you know the ascension, they could have been sort of what they became a bit in low decks. I yeah, you know, they could I, have been I think the Xcoms are great, and I, I do enjoy yeah. the design of them. Um, I won't be surprised if we got exo comp toys now. Uh, and I'd I'd be up for that. I'd, I'd probably get an exocomp. Like, I reckon you could do an exocomp, but if you're doing the toy, you do it as a bit of a higher price toy, an adult mm. toy, and you do it as a drone. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, for like not not for flying on the street, but for around your your room. You know, like just that. get a little helicopter sort of so big. Yeah. That you could fly indoors. I like it. I just want an Exocomp drone now. I mean, that basically, I mean, visually, just would look like an Exocomp is just lying around. Yeah. Oh, I man. bet we could make one. I bet let, let's, we'll do some 3D printing. Anyone who's got a 3D printer, message us. Um, and we'll, yeah, we can do this. We, 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 we will get an Exocomp. The episode does end on a good note, though. Like, I really like the final exchange between Picard and Data, where Picard does sort of literally lay out like the things we were talking about earlier like the, this is effectively data evolving and sticking up for well, well data goes to apologize to him doesn't he and he says that and data says it says it to picard you once stuck up for me yeah and i'm doing it for someone else now so yeah i really like that and i like that picard says it's it's the most human thing you've ever done it that almost that adds weight to this episode that it perhaps doesn't really earn itself but but that's the genius of having patrick stewart as your captain even 
the worst episode, you can have Patrick Stewart say something at the end and you come away from it thinking, you know what, he's right. That was yeah. good. <laughs> I mean, again, like I mean, I mentioned procedural before. It's like when you st- stick on one of those kind of cop dramas and mm. it's just, it could be any episode and you just put it on and you have an enjoyable time with it. And it's fine. It may not be your favourite bit of TV, but it's a very enjoyable hour. And that's how I felt about this. Yeah. I mean, it was a fun hour. Yeah. There's some great is- moments. This is one of those episodes that you wouldn't go out of your way normally to go back and watch. No. Yeah. But it's been... It, like, we have done some awful episodes recently at times, and some of them deliberately. <laughs> and I don't think this falls into that category of an awful episode. No, not at all. No, not at it's all. not a great episode. It's hit one you'd put in the top 10 or even a top 20, probably not even a top 50. No, but it has but, been enjoyable to go back and watch yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And and it. This is one of those episodes that, uh, particularly in the VHS age of consuming Star Trek, really benefited from its placement in the season because the next episode is Chain of Command Part 1 and it was split across two VHSs, so you got... Quality of Life and Chain of Command Part 1, and then you got Chain of Command Part 2 and Ship in a Bottle, I think. So I think all Part 2 of them, which were two-parters, were split like that. I think there was two which end up on the same... Yeah, a few of them did, but most videos. of them, because they were usually a season a, finale, a weren't they? A lot of them were split up originally, because yeah. then you have the great marketing of it when yeah. you release the um, yeah. next-gen movies. yeah. Before the oh, I was thinking also, also, you've got, I mean, at, at the time, I don't think they pre-saw that. I think they were just going, it's like, oh, oh, if we do them on, <laughs> on, on numbers, then we can sell two VHSs. And then later on, they're going, three VHSs, I think you'll find movies. Yeah, exactly. Movies. I remember when they brought out the TNG movie collection in brand new packaging. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think Unification was on the same tape. I think the way that one fell, it worked out okay. Anyway, um, oh, go on. And, uh, sorry, because I've mentioned procedural cop dramas a few times. Almost in that genre, I'd just like to give a shout out to Angela Lansbury, who left us this of week. Of course, who, uh, yeah. Also from the Paramount Lot, I believe, uh, with Murder, She Wrote, if I'm correct. I think it was, yeah. I think I that think was, a, was yeah. a Paramount one. So there is one. the tenuous link there, but just to give her a... Did she never appear in Star Trek? I don't think she did. It's the sort of thing you would have thought she would have done. Having said that, she yeah. was too busy doing Murder, She Wrote when all this were going on. Like, yeah, you probably she, couldn't she have got really her. Does I don't think I think it was because she did a lot of stage work. She was very famous mm, for. As yeah, well. um, I don't think she was a big cameo person. Like Peter Falk turned up in a few things as cameos, but he didn't do that many. But I don't think she did any of that. No, I, I mean she was like the highest paid woman in America, wasn't she? When she was doing Murder no, She Wrote, so she certainly didn't need to do cameos. Um, and I made the joke when I was posting up the kind of thing, that's all she wrote, because, you know, cute little thing. Apparently, uh, there was an episode where they were going to end Murder, She Wrote. They lured her back with even more money, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the cop goes to her, it's like, yep, and that's all she wrote, and that was the end of the episode. So all right. It's kind of cute. Just going back to when we were talking about format-breaking episodes and things, I remember Murder, She Wrote did a few because of how highly paid Angela Lansbury was, they had to start doing episodes that she wasn't in or she was barely in at all so that they could fulfill. It was a series they did. It was a series of basically pilots for spin-offs as well. So they could 
make money yeah. off another show. Exactly, yeah. And I remember it like it would start with her and she'd be in it for two minutes just going, Well, this is one of the books I wrote and then you'd get the the episode. But anyway. Oh oh, it's my Christmas card which I always get from blah blah and blah blah. Oh, they're such a wacky pair. I wonder what they're up to now. Boom. Yeah. Well, good on her. Um, so anyway, that was quality of life. We will be back next week talking about lower decks and I have seen what the title of the episode is, and if it oh. d- delivers based on its title, I think it's going to be one we're really, really going to enjoy. I won't Ooh. say any more than that, but um, yes. I haven't. I, I'm still sticking to my. Thing if I you can been. avoid the title, do because it's <laughs> a callback to something that's a very obvious callback. So. Right. Looking forward to that one, and we'll see where that where that takes us. Obviously, about the Code of Honor? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> one. <Woman. laughs> yeah, we'll have to do Code of Honor at some point, but on a, um, home, on a home episode, I think we can it. Let's just not maybe do that on a uh, on a stage episode. Yeah. Anyway, so if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on the socials. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we're on Twitch, we're on everything. Dr. Squee, you've got Dr. Squee Show things going on? Yes, I do. Uh, that's on SW20 Radio, the new sound of South Wales, which obviously I'm very Welsh, as you can hear. Absolutely, um, Yes, loyal. next week, uh, let's say I'm going to do Yiji Cho. We'll, we'll pick out the uh, grab bag of Squeefest episodes, and that's uh, him from uh from Screefest and he was the uh, 1996 tv movie doctor who one of the companions slash master's companion and he's also been in sliders continuum uh pretty much any kind of uh, uh these long long sci-fis he's kind of popped up in uh stargate fantastic so yeah check that out as well and thanks for trekking with us this time we will see you next time on the retrek thank you bye-bye Hello, AP.